Amen. Good morning, everyone. Man, we're gonna, I, I have a homework assignment for you today, so, so I hope you're ready. Evidently, you are not. So here, here's what I want you to do. Are you ready? I, I, w- I want to talk to you t- today about the positive side of impossibility. And in fact, I want to talk to you about faith in God. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about your life, something that's going on in your life that you cannot do on your own. That it's an impossibility for you. Whether it's a healing, whether uh, whatever it may be, maybe it's a circumstance that you have no control over, but you want to see God do something. I want you to either write it down, I want you to put it in your mind, your memory, because we're going to act on those in just a little while. I'm talking about impossibility. I'm not talking about something that's hard to do, but an impossibility. It's not like the guy that, that decided one night he was going to come home from work, it was late at night, and, and he was going to cut through the cemetery, didn't see the freshly dug hole, and fell in. Kept trying to claw his way out, claw his way out, tried for over an hour, gave up. He said, I'll just have to wait till tomorrow when they come by, and they'll see me in here and help me out. So he was sitting over in the corner, and about an hour later, an inebriated fellow came by, fell in the same hole. So the man sat there and watched him try to get out and try to get out and try to get out. After about 30 minutes, the man looked at him and said, from behind him, he said, it's no use, you can't get out. And he did. (laughs) I'm, I'm not talking about impossible or difficult. I'm talking about something you cannot do. It's kind of like going back in time. No matter how much you would want to, you know, and you relive some scenarios. You ever do that in your mind? Relive scenarios and you think, you know, like you're in an argument with somebody. You think, man, if I could just go back and take back those words. Or you could go back and think, man, I would have said this. Right? Can't go back in time. You can't redo that. I mean, I mean, well, unless you're kind of like me in fifth grade because I went through it three times because I really liked it. Um, Got it. Moving on. But there are some things that are just, you can't go back to time. You can't cheat death. Scripture says it's appointed unto man. Hebrews 9, 27 says, And inasmuch as it's appointed unto men once to die, and after that comes judgment. All of us, all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. Uh, the wages of sin is death. Uh, even Christ died, and yet, and yet, with God, all things are possible. I like that. Jesus was, they, he was talking to, to them and he said it was impossible. Even, it would be easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. And, they, and the disciples looked at him and said, well, wow, who can be saved? Because they, they thought, well, man, if that's impossible, who is going to be saved? And Jesus said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I want you to look at your, in your mind and what you wrote down. What is your impossible situation? And I want you to be able to look at all of the reasons that you say it cannot be accomplished. And then on the other side of the page, whether it's, whether it's on a ver- on, while you're writing it down or if it's verbal or it's mental I want you to put it on the other side of the page but God 
Here's your impossible situation. Here's all the reasons why it's impossible. But over here, you have God. And with God, all things are possible. Jesus looked at him and said, all things are possible. Do you realize that Enoch, you look at this, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He cheated death. Wouldn't you like to do that? He cheated death. He did not die. He could not be found because God had taken him away. If God hides you, you're not going to be found. If you're playing hide and seek with God and he puts you in a safe place, they're not going to find you. God, because God had taken him away. For because, because before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Man, I want to be able to please God, don't you? Can you imagine pleasing God so much that you're just walking around one day and you're just talking with the Lord and you're just enjoying his company and the Lord says, you know, I just like you so much. Hey, come on up here with me. Yeah, no more in the back seat. Come up and sit in the front seat with me. Oh, when you're a kid, man, you can't wait to get sit in the front seat. Can you imagine the Lord just saying, hey, come on over to the front seat. And, and, and he did that. He did that with Enoch. And, and there was one reason that he did that. By faith. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. By faith, Enoch cheated death. By faith, he did not experience what everybody experienced. Enoch was translated. Enoch was transferred. Enoch didn't see death. But here's the thing. He did it by faith, but it wasn't his ability. It wasn't a supernatural ability that God gave Enoch. He didn't look at Enoch and said, Enoch, I like you so much. You're pleasing to me. Boom. Here you go. You don't even have to die. He didn't give Enoch the power. It wasn't something innate in him. It was not his ability that allowed him to cheat death. It was his faith, his trust, his confidence in the power of God. That when God moved on him and said, I'm going to take you, he said, I believe you can. It's faith is not our ability. It's our confidence in the ability of our God. Now, I, I want you to stay with me because I don't know how long I'm going to speak today. Because it may be like the other night when, when I got home, I don't know, 6.30, that really cold night. You remember that, that cold day was like, like freezing? I get home, and Jessica says, hey, I have some new running shoes. You want to go running with me? And I said, yes, because I'm stupid. <laughs> and, and so I started running. We ran from the house, and we were going to run around the lake and then head back to the house. And I got about well, maybe a quarter uh, a mile on the lake, and my lungs were just on fire. And I began to pray, God, if you get me out of this, I'll never do it again. <laughs> I had the desire, but I didn't have the ability to get around the lake. And it's, it's not in us. Faith is, is something that, that, that we have trust in God. Gideon never possessed the supernatural ability to conquer the enemy. He had faith in God. And with just 
300 men and lanterns, he took down a nation. Noah wasn't given superhuman strength to build the ark, but he was, had faith in God and followed God's plan and delivered his family from the flood. Peter didn't possess supernatural ability to walk on water. But when Jesus said, come on over, he trusted the Lord and did the supernatural, not because of his ability, but his confidence in the Lord. I'm going back to the running story because for a moment there, I forgot why I was telling you. But now I know. And before I forget again, my plans were to run around the lake, but I only made it a quarter of the way. My plans are to finish this, but we may not. So I want you to stay with me, because wherever we stop, that's where we're going to stop. Noah wasn't given superhuman strength. Gideon didn't possess the supernatural ability. Peter didn't have the supernatural ability to walk on water. These were all men that exercised faith in God. God said, I want you to do it, and they said yes. See, Enoch had a, a big view. He had a faith-filled view he had, of God and his abilities. His eyes weren't limited to the circumstances in which he saw himself. He wasn't limited by the carnal nature that, that we all wrestle with. He had a big view of God, that he's the creator of the heavens and the earth, and that he is eternal. He's always been and always will be, and he formed everything, even us from the dust of the earth he formed humanity and he looked at it and says I'm serving the creator of the heavens and the earth and there is nothing in this world that he cannot do Amen. so what is faith then what is faith faith is, is accepting a truth that we do not immediately understand or comprehend by faith we understand that the worlds were formed now, you may not understand how the worlds were formed. I don't understand how the worlds were formed. But I do know this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I don't know how he did it. If you want to, you know, do a, that God used evolution, that God used this, God used that, I don't care. Because the Bible doesn't tell us how God did it. He just said God did it. So whatever, whatever theory you want to use, and, and when you get there, you know, there's probably a pretty good chance that we're all wrong. So, so I, would just, I would just say, you know, I believe it. I believe that God created the heavens and the earth. How he did it, man, I don't know. But I do know he did it. How did, how did Christ die for the sins of the world? I don't know. How did God become man and walk among us? I don't know, but I believe it. I believe it with everything in me. How do I know that Christ is going to come back and the trumpet's going to sound and we're going to be transformed and if, we have de and if we're dead, we're going to rise and we're going to have a new body and we are going to live in eternity forever with Christ. How is that going to happen? Man, I don't know. But I do know this. It's going to happen. And we're going to have fun. I like that part fun. What is faith? Faith is the acceptance of a truth that we do not immediately comprehend. See, perception is, is acceptance of a truth we do comprehend. We can accept things that we do see, but, we, but faith is accepting the things that we don't comprehend. Faith is 
hypostasis. It's, it's the solid foundation. It's the real existence. Faith is the concrete certainty of our hope based on a reality and a solid existence that we cannot explain. How many are, are saved by the grace of God? How do you know? You know that you know that you know by, by faith. You trust in God. You believe His Word. When you came to God, it was through faith that, that the Spirit of the Lord convicted your heart. And you say, this is true. And, and, the, and when you exercise that faith that was given to you by God, something miraculous happened and you were born again. It's faith. Faith is trusting in God's ability to do what he said. See, you can't, you can't have faith if you do not believe in God. That's why an atheist cannot go to heaven. Because the scripture says you must first believe that he is and that he rewards those that diligently seek him. If you don't believe that he is, you will find out that he is, but you'll be on the wrong side. Faith, faith says... I'm trusting in what I know, even though I can't prove it. Even though I can't, I can't explain it to you, I know that it's true. And it's something that's so concrete, so solid, it's so foundational that I am living my entire life. I am placing my in, entire existence on this solid foundation that Christ died for me, that Christ rose again, that he's coming back, that the promises in the word of God are true. And here's something amazing about faith. When you begin to exercise your God-given faith, God shows himself strong. Okay? Now, I am not, and I'm telling you this before, I'm not name it and claim it, grab it and blab it, share it and tell it, or whatever other, but I am this. I think a lot of Christians live with things in their lives that they don't have to live with in their life because they have never exercised their faith in God. There's many of us that, that live our lives and we trust Him as our Savior, but we've never trusted Him as Lord. And when we begin to, to walk in faith and take God at His word, amazing things begin to happen. And here's one of the greatest things about faith. Faith requires a right attitude toward God. Faith requires a right attitude. Your attitude toward God will either cripple your faith or strengthen your progress. One or two. Attitude toward God and God's ability. In Jude, in Jude 1, 14 through 16, he talked about Enoch, this same Enoch that was translated. And Enoch speaks against grumbling and complaining. Why? Why does Enoch speak against grumbling and complaining? Because he understands that a negative, pessimistic opinion of God destroys the opportunities that God wants to place in your life. If you're so focused on seeing down here, you'll never see up here. If Peter, when Peter stepped out of the boat and began to walk on water, and that would be so cool. I don't know about you, but walking on water would be really great. But notice, he walked on water until Scripture says he got his eyes off of Christ and his eyes on the surroundings. And he went from an optimist 
to a pessimist really quick. And as his pessimism grew, as his fear grew, he began to sink. See, it's important that our attitude is, is right with God. A, a negative, pessimistic opinion of God destroys our opportunity. See, complaining kept Israel out of the promised land. Complaining keeps churches from growing to their potential. Complaining keeps people from discovering what God can do and is doing in their life. Complaining binds us and blinds us to the work of God around us. God is working in our life all the time, but sometimes we're so busy that, that we fail to see what God is doing. In Mark 5.21, there's an amazing story where, where Jesus is, is on his way and he, and he goes into the house and there, the Bible says that there's mourners because a young girl has died. And, and when he talks about mourners, there were people that were professional mourners. They were paid to cry and weep. What a gig. So, so he goes in, and Jesus looks at them. They're all crying. They're, they're, they're wailing. They're, they're doing all this. And Jesus said, you don't need to do that. She's just asleep. And scripture says that they began to mock him and ridicule him and scorned him. How do you say that? She's just asleep. She's dead. We're professional mourners. We know. We're certified. We went to mourner school. <laughs> and they began to mock him. And they began, and then Jesus says, does something, and I, I don't even know where I'm at on, on these. Let's see if it's on here. No, that's not it. Um, Jesus looked at him, and, and he kicked him out. He, he, he said, I want everybody out. Every mourner out, everybody with a negative spirit out, everybody that doubts out. He got everybody out, and he went over to the little girl, and he said, I say unto you, little girl, arise. And the girl got up. Can I ask you a question? And the only reason I'm asking you this question, because I've already posed it to myself, and I did not like my answer. What voices are speaking to you today about your impossible situation? Do you have some mourners and some doubters speaking into your life? Is your own spirit saying, God doesn't love me enough? God doesn't care for me enough? God loves everybody else, but he's not going to do it for me. He did it for somebody else, but he's not going to do it for me. Is there a voice in your life that is speaking doubt and fear? Or self-worth. Can I, can I encourage you? Do what Jesus did. Kick it out. Kick out that voice. If it's not, if it's not good and pure and holy, and, it's, and if it's not a good report, those are the things that we're supposed to be thinking out on. But if it's something that's negative, it's something that, that brings dishonor to God and doesn't bring glory and honor to Him, then, and if we're looking at ourselves, and I don't even know why I'm on this, but I'm going to jump out there anyway, and I, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but, but if you're thinking that you're not good enough, you're not sufficient enough, God doesn't love you enough, you're not giving glory and honor to God because God wants and desires to use you. 
It's not about how good you are. It's about how good he is. It's not about your ability. It's about his ability. It's not about your power. It's about his power. It's not about your love. It's about his love, his grace, his glory. It's all about him. The only thing that's required of us is to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Jesus kicked them out. Kick out the voices that, that would cast doubt into your life, that, that would say you're never going to have your dreams come true, that you've waited and waited and waited, and that person is never going to show up, or that situation is never going to arise. Would you cast out that voice and say God is faithful, God is able, and what God has promised, he will bring to pass. Proper attitude. Do you know that proper attitude is a choice? That it's a choice. The proper attitude determines whether we're an optimist or a pessimist. It's the difference between being blessed or oppressed. Confident or confused. Potential or problems. How do you see God? What voices are in your life? Which ones do you need to kick out? See, with a proper attitude with God, it's going to determine how high you climb, how long you run, how large you grow. How many people you reach. Your potential is not found in you. It's found in Him. And it's your faith and trust in Him. Proper attitude is learned. Paul said, I am not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances. He said, I've learned to have a lot. I've learned to have nothing. I've learned to, to have a house. I've learned not to have a house. I've learned to be warm. I've learned to be cold. I have learned all of these things. And the one thing that I know, that God is faithful. That I can be content because I know that God is faithful. So, achieving your impossible in all circumstances requires faith in God's ability and His desire to help you. Do you realize God wants to help you? I woke up this morning and, 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 and I don't know why and I don't even know where this song came from. I haven't thought of it in 30 years. And I told the words to Sam and he said, I've never heard of it. He was blessed until I told him. No, but it's, here's, if you know, you know it's, it's simply prayer is the key to heaven. But faith unlocks the door. Words are so easily spoken. Prayer without faith is like a boat without oars. Have faith when you speak to the master. That's all he asks you for. Prayer is the key to heaven. But faith unlocks the door. Are you trusting in him? I'm going to ask our praise team to come because uh, this horse is tired. Exodus 15, 26 says, For I am the Lord who heals you. Psalm 147, 2 says, He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Jeremiah 17, 14 says, O Lord, if you heal me, I will truly be healed. If you save me, I will be truly saved. My praises are for you alone. 
Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew 11, 28, 29. 1 Peter 2, 24. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Psalm 103, 2 and 3, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. Isaiah 38, 16, you restore my health and allow me to live. Jeremiah 30, 17, I will give you back your health and heal your wounds, says the Lord. Psalm 41, 3, the Lord nurses them that when they are sick and restores them to health. Psalm 107, he sent out his work and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. Matthew 14, 14, Jesus saw the huge crowd and stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed the sick. What's your impossible situation today? What is God speaking to you? You say, Pastor, I can't do it on my own. That's what impossible means. Impossible. impossible situations things that you cannot achieve on your own we're going to do something that we have not done before I'm going to ask you if you have an impossible situation and you're saying Lord it's not in my ability it's not in my strength I just don't know how it's going to happen but I do know this I trust in you you are the one you're the one that brings confidence. You're the one that brings hope. You're the one that brings healing. You're the one that can transform any situation. And I'm putting my life, my situation, this impossible need, I'm placing it in your hands. If you're here today and you're saying, God, it's yours. I'm trusting in you. I want you to stand right now where you're at. Scripture tells us to pray for one another, to bless one another. There's a lot of needs here today. You know what that tells me? A lot of opportunity for God to show himself strong Amen. right now. Amen. Here's what I would like you to do. I want you to pray with somebody that's right next to you, maybe a couple. Just reach over and begin to pray with them right now. Would you do that? Your prayers are as important as anybody else's prayers. Pray with them right now. Reach, reach over and begin to pray.